Uh, let's sure. get rolling and uh, my, you do the intro. All right? Yeah, let's testing, go for it. Testing. Yeah. Hi, I'm Luke Campbell and I work for a small wine company. He's Luke Morris and he works for a big wine company. And together, we are Luke's Talk Wine. We talk about all things wine and booze, popular culture, just think when to drink, why we drink it, and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello, Luke. G'day, Luke Campbell. How's it going? Steady as she goes, Luke Steady? Morris. Another week, another week goes and another week we're here. Here we are, through <laughs> the thunk it. Well, I'm glad we're here. That means we can keep doing the podcast and have the apostrophe not within the um, required space for Luke's individual wine podcast. It's Luke's <laughs> two people. Uh, what's been happening in your wine world this week, pal? Well, mate, it's all been happening. Um, what's has been? Oh, I did have a rare smile, actually. Um, some people have a little bit of an eye roll. Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller actually teamed up with Yellowtail to release a celebrity wine, albeit a low alcohol wine range. Have we had enough of celebrity wines yet, Luke? They're the new perfume, aren't they? There seems to be a celebrity wine of everything. They kind of are the the new perfume. That's a great call because, well, yes, I mean, they fall in and out of favour, but Every time you turn around, there's another new celebrity either buying a vineyard or uh, releasing, you know, a a new range. And, yes, Buffy the Vampire Slayer releases Yellowtail, heaven forbid, low-alcohol wines. Uh, It's not really going to slay you, is it? A low-alcohol wine, you're going to need plenty of it to to get yourself six feet under. Well, yeah, I mean, is she going for that kind of millennial-friendly Better for you movement is she or what with yellowtail? I, mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's <laughs> better. This is this is not exactly the biodynamic micro um, production kind of low impact <laughs> wine of the world. I suppose they no, do well, ship suppose everything it's... they sell in huge bladders because they sell so much of it. It just saves costs. Yeah, Did... fair, but you know, it's probably she, she's probably teamed up with Yellowtail because it's massive in America, right? So she's probably teamed um, up with Yellowtail because shops. they gave her a shitload of money. I mean, I don't ah, know. yes, that old chestnut. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who started I, I, I the conversation. The I reckon somebody who was um, a teenager in the nineties grew up and went, worked in the marketing department and really wanted to meet Sarah Michelle Geller. Sounds like what's happened there. Well, I did. I did like um, her. Her quote in the press release was, "You can learn a lot about a culture, a city, and a country just based on what you drink." Well, I can give you the tip, Sarah Michelle. Not a lot of us are drinking low alcohol here in Australia, but maybe in the US. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What has she learned by drinking that wine? That wine is not as you know fun as he was led to believe it was. <laughs> Oh, but it's healthy, Luke. Is low alcohol wine healthy, LVC? Is it healthy? It's all healthy in moderation, Lukey Morris. But it's a, the, it's a, I suppose low alcohol being, I suppose the thing, that's true, all alcohol is healthy in moderation. If you just have a couple of glasses, it's not, technically I don't, I can't 
the the processes of um, breaking down alcohol and through the body, you do get some fatty deposits. But once you limit yourself to a percentage, two glasses of normal alcohol wine doesn't really make any impact. So it's fine. Uh, um, I think you're right, right? So if you're drinking, if, if you're drinking low fat milk, or if you're drinking smoking reduced tar cigarettes you're better off not doing anything and just having the real stuff aren't you yeah actually um if you do it in moderation it's better for you not to have the tainted low alcohol so to produce low alcohol wine they're either running it through a centrifuge to eliminate the alcohol uh, product within the the alcohol component within the product or they're adding a lot of water yeah how else would you do it yeah, well, that's either of those would be a. They all sound counterintuitive to me, but <laughs> <laughs> but that, either of those would be perfectly fine, you know. But I, I think the the nub of the question is: Have we had enough of celebrity wines? I mean, you've got Brad Nange's Who? Miravel Rose. You've got Kylie's Brad Mange. Rose. Who's Brad Nange? Um, Brangelina Luke, come on! Oh, sorry. Brad, 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 Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Didn't they break up? Are they still? A... They might have broken up, but they still have a very, very famous wine brand. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, I know Pink has a wine brand. Yes, Pink's another one. Uh, the Kylie's rolled of... out her rosé last year. Yeah, the um, Australian backline. Of the Wallabies, uh, Adam Ashley Cooper, Matt Giddu, and the other one, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head, called the Backline, that exists. Right, yeah. Um, you've mentioned Ricky Ponting, did you? Ricky Ricky Ponting's released his Ponting Series wines out of Tasmania, yeah. He teamed up with uh, Ben Riggs to make those. And and funnily um, enough, so did the Wallabies. I don't know if Ben Riggs is is courting that, or um, maybe it's just word amongst the uh, sporting elite in Australia is that Ben Riggs is the man to go to. One I do like, I do like Sam Neill's two paddocks out of Central Otago, New Zealand. His Pinot Noirs, in particular, are well worth the money. I don't know what he's doing these days with it, but I remember early days he was very upfront and honest about the fact that he was allowed to drive a tractor around the vineyard and that's about it. He he loved yeah. wine, he loved being involved in it, he loved having um, that the wine that he could effectively call his own, but he wasn't the maker, he wasn't the viticulturalist, he wasn't... No. I, and I suppose no, in but, a lot uh, of sense uh, neither is... Uh, I was going to say Cher Michelle Gellar or Kylie. I don't, I don't Kylie think Minogue, she's yeah. squeezing any grapes, but um, there was there was a bit more of a, a personal passion to the project, which is maybe why it's actually also what as you attain good stuff. Yes, but yeah, so so I did have a wry smile, and anyway, as an answer to your question, it did catch my eye this week. Hi, this is Luke Morris from Luke's Talk Wine. I've written some books, so visit lukemorrisha.com.au. Go there, see the books, buy one, support the podcast. That's lukemorrisha.com.au, L-U-K-E-M-O-R-R-I-S-H-A.com.au. Have a great day. 
What about you? Any Anything pique your interest out of the normal? Oh, look, there's always fun little things happening around in my wine world. Um, we've, we've had all kinds of export order, um, not kerfuffles, but we've had export orders come through our channel we're, we're in my big wine company world where we um, have to make best of some bad situations to, to wineries' benefits 99% of the time. I mean, they need help and we need wine, so... That's mm. what happens. Um, so it's some really good stuff floating around. But a question one of my customers asked me, and I actually get asked by some other people, and I don't – I've got my own theories on this, and I'd love to hear your theory on the process of decanting. When you, oh, yes. When you get a red wine when you or white wine, do you – leading question for you, Mr. Campbell, do you decant white yes. wine? Yes, yes. Not all of them, but my, by all means, a young white wine, Chardonnay, Riesling is, would be a great one. Um, that, yeah, absolutely. If you had a highly alcoholic, rich, ripe um, white wine or a heavily acidic white wine, Chenin Blanc would be another one uh, that you might want to soften out. By all means, decant it. Yep. Why, why, would, some why cases, would decanting it soften it? Well, decanting will allow all the, the, the esters and microbes to be covered in oxygen and therefore releasing those aromatics, softening the, the phenols and the esters and antithysins and allowing them to be released, same as they would in red. And this is all for young stuff? Do you, you don't decant the aged, as it were? No. Well, obviously, you know, you wouldn't decant an aged red or white wine for that matter because oxygen becomes its enemy. Yes. Um, so, but I mean, th that is a leading question. So I wouldn't decant all of my whites, but a young white, um, particularly of the heavier varieties, uh, that I would decant in, in a heartbeat and you would have a better drinking experience. There's also a few mistakes you can make, like a few, you know, misdemeanors i guess that people kind of look over and that is you know de decanting all red wines simply because they're red like that that is just a, a no-no like you, you really have to consider the components in your wine that you're trying to change by allowing it to breathe and as we've just touched on if it's old if it's 15 years of age you, you don't want to decant it because you're going to um combine it with too much oxygen well, you know, uh, I'd step in and say you do decant some of those wines to relieve um, sediment from sediment. The, absolutely, as as I tell customers, that's the only reason you decant an old wine. You're not trying to give it air. You're just trying to decant. Yeah, that's to, right. You would be decanting to it out of one bottle into another vessel, so that the sediment is left in the one that you're pouring out of, effectively. The the other mistake, which, which you, you you mentioned there about you know can we decant white wines? The other mistake people make is, is not decanting champagne or sparkling wine. Ah. Sometimes and I'm talking, I'm talking about your vintage champagnes or a sparkling here, which have had a long time on lees, um, you know, and they've been stuffed in a bottle and they might have this kind of either flinty or sulfury or egg kind of nose, a little bit of a decant very slowly allows those kind of characters to blow off. And they can leave and make for these kind of stunningly precise wines. 
you obviously don't want to, you know, stuff them in a decanter at an alarming rate like you would a, a, a young red Shiraz. You treat the champagne or sparkling wine equally gently and just allow that kind of flint or rotten egg smell to blow off. It is, um, it's a bit of a handy tip that people just forget about. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and you do lead something in there where I was going to ask about um, how long you decant something for. So it's the interesting thing there is that you too try and splash and get as much oxygen going through a young Shiraz or something like that as possible. But you're trying to do just a subtle thing to a champagne. So a champagne, I imagine, when you pour it, you're drinking it, you're not putting it on the table for three hours or four hours or half a day like some people protest that you do with robust red wines. How long do you decant for? Oh, if you were decanting, you know, a, a young red wine, you know, whether it be from the Rioja in Spain, the Barossa here in Australia and South Australia, these wines are heavily alcoholic. They've been exposed to a lot of new wood. They can benefit for a few hours open. You know, if we're talking about white wine or champagne, you know, maybe up to about 30 minutes before. The whole idea, I guess, there's probably three main reasons that you might want to decant. And one, as you mentioned there, is to remove any of the sediment rather than to aerate the wine. So you want to separate it from the impurities. Yep. The other is to expose as much of the wine surface loop the, the surface area needs to be exposed to as much oxygen as possible. So you young wines, as we've referenced. And then the other reason you might, a, a white wine, you might decant a white wine. The third reason for decanting is to just soften out those um, textural aspects, whether they be phenolics uh, or which are a skin derivative or acids, soften those acids. And you could even use a wine aerator for that. And, you know, some people use those um, little pen-shaped aerators that you st stick in the mouth of the bottle. Yeah, they're, they're quite, quite good, aren't they? For a white wine. They are quite good. They allow the wine to really open up gradually through the course of the evening as you're pouring them. Yeah, they are quite good. So do you do, you do the double decant, decant into a decanter, give it a, a swirl and decant back into the bottle, or you just pour straight from the decanter I, I usually pour just old habits die hard as a sommelier running around the restaurant you're always forever running out of decanters so i usually put the decanter back in the original bottle luke yep i even do it at home nowadays i think old habits die hard but gee if you're at home you know decanting into your beautiful crystal decanter or port decanter whatever it may be you might like to leave it on the table and just you know present it as is you know horses for courses i think um, yeah, it's entirely up to the drinker. When we're talking about timeframes that you can decant for, so white wines, sparkling yes. wines, you're looking at like 30 minutes, not not more than that, but that's like a, a general up to 30 minutes yep. as, as a guide. Um, you yep. did say that not all red wines you need to decant, but is there a time frame you'd be looking at for, say, the bigger the red the longer you'd leave it for and that's not any three hours would be maximum or would there be any sort of guide that you use for, for wines? Oh, gee, well, wine, wine 
wine is such a subjective thing, Luke. And, and actually, moreover, wine tastes are. I've had dinners with you and we've uh, had a wine and we've been thinking, gosh, this is only just drinking well now. We're down to the last bit of it. Glass. And, yep. and when it was an, I remember specifically, it was an aged wine that we thought, you know, you, you don't want to aerate that too much. You don't want it to leave around because it'll probably die in the die in the glass if you give it too much oxygen. But it was still yeah. singing. And it's it's so hard to pinpoint. I mean, we, you can, as we as we say, give an idea of how long to keep something for, but then at the end of the day, uh, it's very it's subjective. Yeah. You know, as a rule of thumb, I'm always 30 minutes and under for those whites or, or, or champagne style wines. For my younger reds, and I say younger reds, you know, you're talking about current vintage wines under five years of age. I love those for, you know, anywhere between three and six hours. And then anything over that, so between five and 10, say, five and 10, maybe five and 15 years of age, I'm, I'm looking at longer times. So even I'm looking longer. it up to kind of, I, I think, oh, I beg your pardon, sorry, no, even less. Sure. So you, okay. you want longer for your younger wine. So three to six hours, and then yep. as you go up from there and you're five to 15, you probably want three and less hours. Um, and then, of course, when you're decanting your old wines, because it seems decanting mature wine kind of seems counterintuitive. If a wine's 15 year old and full of sediment, and you're going to drink it tonight, you've got to you've got to try and capture that sediment in the shoulder of the bottle and pour the grape juice, for want of a better term, off the top of it. And so, I think just that sheer action of decanting and keeping the sediment back, Luke. That's about as long as you want to do it because those wines that are aerated with age and exposed to oxygen are quickly going to fall over. The tannins, the acids and the fruit are all going to break down really, really quickly. So I guess looking back, decanting is not typically reserved for red wines. If you are doing white wines, it's for 30 minutes or less. Younger wines, you know, three to six hours before, Older wines, just be careful. Yeah, he's uh, he's here's a quick tip. Uh, decanters, yeah. obviously, we know what a decanter is. It's a, just a big vessel you pour wine into. I use a water jug most of the time because they're easy to clean. They don't have. Yeah, that... well, I, I use a, I use a deep ceramic vase for the same reason. I can get two hands in it and clean it out. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's beautiful decanters and people are well and truly welcome to use them. But um, I, I yep. just use something that does the job that that gets the good surface area and easy to clean. Um, I've got I've got a mate who uses a blender because he can, it washes itself. He just he uses the blender blend the when wine he's finished. That's in there. No, he <laughs> tips the wine out, then puts it back on the blender, half filled with water and washing detergent. Ah, oh. cleans itself and back on the shelf, and away he goes. He's got it sussed. Wow, I like it. Anyway. Um, Here's we digress. A, I butted in. No, 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 no. It's go good. I like it. No, I'm, I'm all for it. I've seen a trick where what some people do is open up a bottle of wine, pour out a cup of glasses, put the screw cap back on in, in this example, and then roll the bottle on its side to, to move the wine around through some oxygen in that way. Would you consider that an effective decanting method? I haven't. I'm just thinking about my own time I've tried to do it. 
I haven't left it for hours. It's just been a spur-of-the-moment sort of test. And the next glass did taste different, um, but I had had a glass of wine at the time. So it wasn't really a, a quality-controlled scientific test. <laughs> uh, I certainly would consider it. I think some decanting is better than no decanting. But the, bearing in mind the premise of decanting a wine, whether it be white or red, is to expose as much of that surface area of the wine to as much oxygen particles as you can. So if you're only tipping out a, you know, one or, or two glasses and then recorking it, you're only exposing, what, two-thirds of the wine surface area to oxygen rather than all of it? Um, so, yes, I would consider it, but would it be optimal? Probably not. Yeah. It's probably better to go with the um, uh, water jug treatment. Now, I've got mm. a little game here that I've been given, and it's called the Food and Drink Cruise. And I got given this, and it has a Ooh. big wine bottle on the cover of it um, with some knives and forks. And so I thought it would be fun to see, have a little bit of a rapid test the sommelier. Um, v- viewers at home can... Uh, Write in to uh, Luke's Talk Wine at gmail.com and, and ask their own questions. But I was going to ask you a few of these questions. And just, just prior to starting this recording, I started to look through the quizzes. And oh, I've just had a quick look now. And I've, I've finally found out of, let's say, 20 that I went through, I found one that has to do with wine. Fantastic. <laughs> we'll save that one for I last. A, I love a pop quiz. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask <laughs> you some pop quizzes that have to do with drink mostly because I was trying to find all the ones that had to do with something that um, was alcohol related. Let's go with this question: Which wine takes its name from the unpolluted waters of the river beside which it grows? That could be a lot of stuff. Wine Riesling, for example, along the River Rhine, but that's not the answer they've given here. Name a, wi- name, a, name a wine that uh, runs near a river. Or well, any of the wines from the Loire Valley, any of the German Rieslings, any of the Rhone Reds from the Northern Rhone that run beside the Rhone River. Um, There's a great many of them. Am I getting close? Yeah, no, they've just gone with the um, word claret. I'm not entirely sure if that's even accurate. Right. Well, well, that's, no, that's, because it's not a wine, it's a style. This is. Claret. Claret is a style it's of a wine red. from Bordeaux and it's generally blended and it only ever comes from the Haute Medoc, which is in the north-eastern part of Bordeaux. Very good. Um, we, made claret, we made claret in Australia for a lot of years, actually. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, statement. next question. I'm next ready. question. You're good. Um Let's go with what is the name of the Japanese wine made from rice? Sake. There we go. Ting. Which fortified wine flavoured with aromatic herbs and spices is used for many cocktails, including the martini and the Manhattan? Gin. Oh, vermouth. What am I saying? It is vermouth. What is the name of the vessel that holds four regular bottles of champagne, traditionally known as? Nebuchadnezzar. Jeroboam. Right, yep, okay, sure, yeah. Yep. So they were, they were named, the Champenoise, but they're all named after kings of Babylon, the kings and queens of Babylon. Yeah. Um, that's fun. Let's go with the last two. I'm going to go with this one next. Which alcoholic drink is made from honey and yeast? 
mead. Yes. Made famous made famous by Maxwell's mead in South Australia. Who's Maxwell's mead? What's that? And uh, Mac- Maxwell's mead in South Australia down in McLaren Bar. They're an, a, a famous Australian producer of mead. Oh. And it's probably the mead that, you know, our, 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 our parents' generation and grandparents always had in their bar. It was... It had a honeycomb on the front of it and had a yellow label and a little cartoon um, of, I'm assuming, Maxwell. You, you would have recognised the label if you saw it at Maxwell's Mead. Next question is, in which country is the winemaking area of Stellenbosch? Germany. Stellenbosch. No, South, South Australia. South Africa, sorry. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I'm t- Ah, uh, here we go. Let's finish on a wine question. I told you that was going to be the last one, but there is one more wine one. Sure. Only three grape varieties can be used to make champagne. It does list two and then asks for the third, but I'm not going to give you any help. I'm just going to say name all three. Chardonnay? Yes. Pinot Noir? Yes. Pinot Meunier. Correct. That's the kind of knowledge you can get out of Luke Campbell. Good man. Um, what are you drinking at the moment? Oh, that's a great question. I'm I'm actually drinking Semillon. I'm a hunter boy. I'm drinking Semillon. I'm drinking Semillon from one of the hunters, new rock stars, actually, Angus Vinden's head case Semillon. And it's bits, um, he's part of the kind of new avant-garde youngbloods along with Usher Tinkler and Mike Julius, the Becker's crew. Scotty Commons that are, that are just coming up and doing things a bit different. They're using natural techniques. They're using ancient amphoras. And this is one of those. Angus Binden, Binden Estate Semyon, he's fermented it in amphora. So what does the amphora do for you? It just adds this kind of texture. So by its very nature, Semyon can get quite waxy, as you know, Lou. And with the fermenting it naturally in the the terracotta amphora, it kind of um, adds to that waxiness and gives you this heavier, thicker, richer texture, honeycomb, lanolin, um, you know, that kind of wheat, wheat, rye, grass type characteristic. It's got this real hint of orange zest about it. Yeah, it's it's different. Nice. It's not my usual semion. Being a hunter boy, I, I love semion. It's always good to try something different. And Angus's wine's about 25 bucks. And retail, but it's uh, yeah, it's delicious. It'll be great during the summer, you know, with soft cheeses and um, you know, pasta, lemon pasta, chili, a little bit of olive oil, all that sort of stuff would be great, Luke. It's delicious, thank you. What about yourself? Um, I'm I'm writing on uh, Australia Post to um, getting their act together. Look, I don't want to badmouth Australia Post, but a month is a long time to wait for some wine, and uh, I, hopefully it will turn up. Uh, but maybe before then, I will get into a Stefano Libiana 2015 Riesling and some oysters. Oh, what would I have with that, Shamalia? Luke, oysters, Stefano Libiana Riesling. I might actually go like a, a a pasta. I'm imagining like a like almost a creamy pasta, yep. but not not very creamy, but like like bacon and mushroom and a little bit of cheese, a little bit. So I think you probably need, yeah, you, you, if you're going to do cream and, you know, 
bacon and stuff like that, you you know, the acids would be able to cut through that quite nicely. Yeah. But yeah, you might have some oysters, you might have some, you know, some some chicken or pork. If you think about where Riesling comes from in Germany, they're big on pork, you know, like so yes. you might have a pork schnitzel and some cold slaw or, uh, you know, something like that would be a great match, Luke. Now we're talking. All right. Mm. Uh I'm going to dream on that until my mind arrives in a month's time. But I'll talk to you again before then. Probably talk to you next week. Does that sound like a deal? I'll be here, God willing. Good, good stuff, man. I'll catch you soon. <laughs> Bye now. Vinified is your wine concierge. We can present simple tastings. We can grant you access to some great winemakers and wineries. We do a host of events a lot of master classes throughout the year and we also run our famous advanced wine course and you can find these events at www.finified.com.au and we would welcome you to the fold. <laughs>